my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys had a fantastic holiday weekend and a great start to your week. Uh, great show for you today. I was joined by my friend Eric Brakey. It's always a great time talking to Eric. Uh, and we covered a lot. Uh, we talked about President Biden's plan to send agents door-to-door to try to vaccine people. Uh, great. Yeah, vaccinate people, I should say. Great stuff there. Uh, we talked about uh, the fight against critical race theory and, and why some people on our side are uh, unable or too stupid to get in the, in the fight and are, in fact, fighting against us on it. Kind of bizarre there, but we discussed that. Um, we talked about the Democrats' plan to re-up the 2008 financial disaster. <laughs> so it's a lot of a lot of cheery news today, but but with some white pills mixed in, I promise. Uh, before I get to Eric, guys, if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter at No Gimmicks Pod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to subscribe. And if you like the show and want to get involved with what we're doing, you can support us monthly over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the No Gimmicks Podcast. All right, without further ado, the great Eric Brakey. <laughs> All right, guys, we're here at the great Eric Brakey. Eric, my man, how have you been? I'm doing well, Brady. Thanks for having me on today. Good to, good to see you. Absolutely. Anytime, my friend. So, um, as always, we have a ton to get to. Um, I was off on Monday, too, for the holiday, so uh, we have even more to get to than usual. But I want to start here. Um, the President of the United States, as we all know, Joe Biden, said yesterday that uh, he's going to send agents of the state door-to-door uh, to try to harass people into getting vaccinated. So that that's how we're that's how it's going in, in twenty twenty one. Biden's been president for six months and he's sending goons door to door to bother people uh about medicine that they don't want to take. So uh y- your thoughts. Well I think it's actually it's a pretty flawed strategy because I imagine that uh a, a lot of the folks who aren't vaccinated at this point are also the kind of folks who would tell people to get off their lawn. So <laughs> It seems like a a, fail, a failing strategy. No, in in all seriousness, it's it's pretty Orwellian. You know, I, I you know I, I you know in the big picture. You know, on the one hand, you know I see some libertarians point out something about the whole vaccine thing that 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 is I think worth noting, which is it is a bit of a success that like this ha- this this experimental vaccine hasn't had to go through all the FDA approval process that usually holds things back, you know, an experimental medicine is sitting there and FDA wraps it up in red tape for 10 years. Meanwhile, people are dying without access to it. This is something principle, you know, I fought for, you know, right to try. And a lot of libertarian minded people fought for the right to try the right for people to make their own decisions right. with these kinds of experimental and investigational medications. And so it's a good thing. I think that the 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 government has you know and the FDA have gotten out of the way a little bit, but then they've kind of gone, <laughs> they've done the complete opposite, and now they're actively trying to twist people's arms to to take something that that hasn't uh, gone through the typical approval process and is still very much in an experimental phase without without long term data. Um, you know, I think it's a great thing that people can choose this for themselves. I just think that people need to be free to choose and the level of arm twisting from Joe Biden and the federal government to to try to, you know, 
not just leave this as a decision between patients and doctors to yeah it, it it's pretty disturbing and orwellian the lengths to which uh the biden administration is is trying to go to make sure everyone gets their their jab whether it makes sense or not i mean even pushing this on on kids who are uh at at at, at, at you know, infinitesimally small risk of, of any serious consequences from COVID. Right. Um, it, it, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty disturbing <laughs> that it's gone this it's just, far. It's just a funny strategy too. I mean, anybody who wants the vaccine already got the vaccine and that's just like, there isn't anybody out there anywhere in the country who just doesn't yeah. know where, where to get the vaccine. <laughs> they just, they, <laughs> they need to be educated. They don't know how to get it or where to get it. No, no, no. I mean, they got vaccines to, to Nineveh Island, Alaska, hundreds of miles above the Arctic Circle. Okay, they have to, uh, <laughs> the Native American reservations. You know the 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 tribal land on Hawaii. The every rural and urban area they have vaccines. People know where to get them. They just ran out of people that want the vaccine. Okay, like that's that's the bottom line. And they're resorting immediately, immediately, to harassment. <laughs> you know, it's like they're they're resorting immediately just bothering people. So it's like. They could, of course, just let free men and women make their own decisions, but they just can't do it. It's just—it's funny. Like, I, I wonder if they even think that there's a problem with like vaccine education or something. Probably not. I mean, they know that anybody who wants it already got it. It's just—I don't know if it's a power move. They're trying to just assert authority. They want the optics of sending people door to door. Like, I don't know. I, I guess I don't understand their angle. It, you know, it's—it's it's funny. It's—it's it's impossible for me to look at this and not see this as kind of like a twisted and bizarro version of like. You know what Young Americans for Liberty does? You know, we send people door to door to, you know, preach liberty yeah. and kind of get yeah. liberty minded people elected. And we call it our Operation Win at the Door, uh, you know, to, to make liberty win. Uh, this seems like Joe Biden's, um, you know, operation to make tyranny win. Sending <laughs> yeah. government. I mean, you know, I, it, and it does make you wonder, you know, if we can send government agents door to door to ask you about your vaccine status. Um, how long until we're sending government agents door to door asking, you know, how many guns that yeah. you have in your home? I mean, these are already questions they've pushed into the doctor's office anyway that, yeah. um, you know, you, you may notice, you know, in recent years, sometimes you go to the doctor's office and, and now one of the questions they have to ask you that they check off on their forms is, do you have firearms in the house? Um, the politicization of of uh, of healthcare and medicine um, is, uh, is, is taking us to some very dangerous places. And uh, the more government gets involved, the worse it gets. Yeah. I mean, it's hard not to think that, you know, everything government does is just a prelude to something else they're planning on doing. And you saw like, you know, I guess the government, government agents didn't start saying this it was more of the press. I think it was the press's trial balloon. Um, but they started writing pieces like last fall about how the lockdowns and everything were, you know, a trial run for how to beat climate change or something or something. <laughs> you know, so like, it is it is hard my conspiratorial side to to not think, okay, well this is just uh figuring out how to how to tranche something like that out for for gun confiscation or something like that. But I will say on you know, cuz I am an optimist. I don't know, man. Sending government agents to harass people in, on their front porches is going to make a lot of libertarians. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I, I, I think that's going to make a heck of a lot of libertarians. I mean, we, we've already been proven right at every turn over the last year and a half. It's hard to argue for anybody to argue with that. I mean, I have, you know, conservatives come up to me all the time, you know, guests on the show and audience members saying like, oh, man, like I used to make fun of your take on, on X, Y and Z. But now I saw that you were right all the time. I, I don't know. I could see a, a you know. A libertarian revolution happening if if goons are, are actually like you know trying to jab people in the arm door to door you know yeah I mean it certainly is um 
it's it's like the 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 harder they grip, the the the, the more they tighten their grip on the American people, the more people who are going to slip through their fingers. Right. Um, you know, I I was at I was at the Porcupine Freedom Festival um, recently, and I was actually uh, talking a little bit about this. Was that there's so much liberty pessimism out there, and there are plenty of reasons to, you know, say how bad things are, and there's certainly we've seen a lot of tyranny, but but I also think just like over the last ten years, you know, how much the liberty movement has accomplished from all of the you know Ron you know since the Ron Paul campaign ended in 2012 to today. We now have hundreds of people who've gotten elected to, you know, uh, to in, in the state legislatures. Yeah. We've got people who took the completely non-political path and took Ron Paul's like message of ending the Fed. And they said, all right, we're going to, you know, they became early adopters of competing currencies. And now right, they might right. actually end the Fed uh, through, uh, uh, you know, with with Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. Um, uh, but at the same time, too, it's like. They are cracking down so hard on the American people because they know that they're losing control of the narrative. This is the inevitable – this is inevitably what's going to happen when you're winning is they're going to fight back harder and harder. They're going to get more and more desperate. I I saw something that Michael Malice said recently on Twitter. He said – I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. Something along the lines of you know, people need to appreciate that. Um, you know, there, there are all these people out uh, out there who will reject any plan that is not an immediate silver bullet that's going to slay, you know, slay the empire like tomorrow. Right. He says, but the thing to understand is that you don't is that winning happens gradually and then all at once. Right. And at the end of the day, we may look at it and say, wow, that happened real quickly. But no, the, the groundwork has to be laid over a long period of time. And I think. You know, that's been happening in the last 10 years. People, we, folks in the Ron Paul Liberty Movement have been laying the groundwork for uh, for over a decade now. Um, and uh, they're they're losing control of the narrative They're The empire is striking back because the empire knows that they're losing. Yeah. And I mean, and there's real tangible areas where we've gained a lot of ground. And I actually didn't know. And I was kind of shocked that I didn't know how bad gun laws were like in the 80s and early 90s. Um because I've, I've been a gun owner my whole adult life. Um, but I mean, you look at all the states that have passed constitutional carry, including your state, you know, you helped get it passed up in Maine. It's up to like yeah. what, 20, 21 states have constitutional yeah. carry now. I mean, that's that's incredible. It was it was like one. I think it was just Vermont <laughs> back in, in like 1990. So, I mean, that's, yeah. that's huge. It's been literally I did the math. It's been literally exponential every four years. Yeah. So you go you go to like the, the George W. Bush administration and we had. There were two states, Vermont, which had always been constitutional carry since the founding of the republic. Uh, they just never passed any gun control laws. And then you had Alaska that kind of came into the mix in 2003. Um, and like until the end of the Bush administration, that was it. Then Obama came in and started talking about <laughs> like pushing aggressive gun control from the federal yeah. level. That woke a lot of people up. Yeah. Uh, truth be told, Barack Obama was the best thing that ever happened for gun rights in America because he failed at uh, advancing gun control, but he woke so many people up to the threat of it that on the state level, people started pushing back. And over Obama's first term, you went from two states to four states, so it doubled. Um, you uh, you added um, uh, Arizona and I believe uh, Wyoming became constitutional carry states. And then in his second term, it doubled again to uh, eight or nine. That's where you got Maine and Kansas and then, then over Trump's term, it doubled again to 16. 
Uh, and now we're into a, a, a Biden's term, and we've added five states this year, more more states in a single year than 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 any point. Um, if if this trend keeps up, you know, we should be getting to 32, I suppose, if it's supposed to double every four years, because this is what is happening. Um, it, it, it's been it's been very astounding. And we just had, you know, Texas just became the 21st constitutional carry state. Now, one in four Americans lives in a constitutional carry state. Um, I remember 10 years ago when this was called just a fringe issue. Yeah. And, we, you know, folks who were advocating for it were, were roundly mocked. Now it's become you know, this has become the gold standard of gun rights. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, in another area that I, I do think we're going to win on in the next decade, especially, it is going to take time because these, you know, our enemy, our political enemies are so entrenched into yeah. the systems, but that is in, in education. And you saw, you know, one white pill with the whole COVID situation is like, I, I don't want to misquote it, but, um, I forget the percentage of, of children that have been pulled out of public schools. It's like 10% or something yeah. in the last year. Parents are just, they're choosing to homeschool or, or try to save up the money, send their kid to private school. And, but the thing is with, with all this critical race theory stuff, the thing in politics that bothers me the most, and I actually, I take this more personal, like I expect Democrats and, and left wingers to, to say crazy stuff that I disagree with all the time. And like, I just, that doesn't bother me. But what bothers me the most is when people that claim to be on our side you know, they either refuse to fight when the time to fight comes, or they're fighting against us. <laughs> um, yeah. And and you're seeing this on on critical race theory, and a bunch of Republican le legislatures and governors have been, I mean, God bless them, have been banning CRT in in public schools. And right on cue, like clockwork, a bunch of like the Beltway type libertarians and a lot of like mainstream conservatives are they're butthurt about it. <laughs> For some and I just don't understand. I, I just don't understand it. Like David French from the Dispatch wrote in the New York Times um, that he wants to let teachers indoctrinate children with Marxist propaganda because of the First Amendment or something. Which of course the First Amendment has nothing. It doesn't it does not apply here at all. I mean, teachers are agents of the state. They don't have the right to teach children whatever they want. <laughs> okay. Right. That's, exactly. That's ridiculous. Like you know, the 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 First Amendment protects our speech from the government. It doesn't protect the government. It doesn't say the government can indoctrinate children's however children however they see fit so it's like right on cue man these people come out of the woodwork anytime somebody's trying to get something done that's worth doing you know i think it's ironic you know how much kind of you know the left le the left is fighting kind of school choice and the opportunity for for you know parents to choose what kind of you know education is right for their kids um you know look if if leftist parents want their kids to learn critical race theory uh, or critical feminist theory or any of these critical theories uh, that are really just, you know, Marxism. Um, that's what critical theory is. It's right, it's right. it's you know, Marxism. Um, I think people get caught up so much on on they hear race. Uh, they hear the critical they hear the race part of critical race theory and they think this is, you know, the left tries to paint this as, oh, we're just trying to teach about, you know, the history of, of slavery and, you know, and 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 race relations in America. I'll tell you, I mean. I don't know anyone who grew up not learning about slavery. I mean, I think at least in, I grew up in public schools and we learned about these things. Um, so I, I don't think that's that's the issue. But people hear the race and they think that's what it is. But really, it's it's the critical part that's the problem. Is right. that this right. this this refers to a much broader ideology that is very much rooted in Marxist philosophy of kind of the 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 oppressed class versus the oppressor class. Kind of, and this is just looking at it along racial lines, because um, the the class warfare stuff never appealed even to American leftists. 
because you yeah. know we don't have these strict you know class structures like Europe did in the United States. They had to kind of rebrand it as as a racial issue. Right, exactly. Because in America, in our tradition, because we have been and we haven't been perfect, you, but there has been much more class mobility in America than in than in most other countries because that's what free markets you know allow for, despite what the left says. Um, uh, the the, the kind of yeah the traditional kind of Marxism was never really able to catch on along right. along class lines so you got to look for different ways to divide the populace to pit people against each other uh, and so I mean I do think that there is frankly there is kind of some class warfare I think we should be concerned about I think it should be you know the American people versus the political class that's what right. we need to be you know that's the real divide in America. Uh, that they want us to uh, to ignore. But back to but back to kind of what's going critical race theory in, 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 in schools. I mean, look, if leftists want their kids to learn critical race theory, then all the more reason for school choice. They should be, be, be free to send their own kids to a school that teaches this Marxist garbage, but they should not have the right to use government force to force all of our kids to learn this. Uh, this is... Um, uh, this kind of one-size-fits-all approach is, is especially dangerous when you're putting kind of uh, government ideologues in charge of what our kids are learning. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I, just help me get into the brains of the people on the right, or that claim to be on the right, whether that's the conservative right or the libertarian right, that are fighting against, like the Ron DeSantis, Greg Abbott, the, the governors and legislatures that are that trying to ban this and get this garbage out of public schools. Um, like, it's like these people— like David Friends, for instance, not picking mm. on him. He's not here to defend himself, but like he's a constitutional lawyer. Um, so like he knows he's lying. <laughs> right? He knows this isn't like a First Amendment issue here. He knows that doesn't apply here. It's like, it's almost like these people, they feel to me like controlled opposition. It's like they're happy to lose. They're happy. They're happy to let the left yeah. win. And then to the, the libertarian side. And I don't I mean, a lot of these people are, are friends of mine, too. And it made, some of these folks making this case have been on my show. But like. For the Beltway libertarian types, why I, I I have even less of a grasp on why they would oppose this than yeah. the conservative side because it's like why would you be upset about stopping agents of the state from turning your children into communists? It's like what <laughs> like what could possibly be anti-libertarian about that? Yeah, well, you know, it's it's interesting. I think for a lot of people, they maybe they hear the word ban, and you know, as, as as libertarians, you know, we're supposed to be against the government banning things. I mean. To some degree, that's true. I mean, we're supposed to be against the government banning us from doing things, right? But like these know. bans are banning government from right being, be growing. Like we're we're banning I, bigger I, government. Like what's wrong right. with that? I'm all for restricting what government can do. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and 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 we should be we should be I think very much engaged from the state level. I mean, look, if we're gonna have you know state run schools. Uh, and I know, you know, I want to get to a much more decentralized school choice version oh, of course, of course. model of things, which is, you know, we've made tremendous progress uh, this year um, passing, you know, education savings accounts in New Hampshire and Missouri and Kentucky. Some great strides there. So there's a lot we can do to kind of you know decentralize and create more school choice and more variety. But so long as we have this centralized system where government is dictating the curriculum, yeah, we need to engage in what that curriculum is. Um, and, and frankly, I, I can't think of anything more destructive than telling like elementary school kids, like, you know, I mean, look, I, I, I grew up at, you know, I grew up in a, uh, in a public school that was kind of very mixed race and it was a very good thing. I remember growing up, you know, there was a certain kind of age where it's like, 
I think that's one of the great things about kind of the innocence of, of youth is is you is being able to grow up with, you know, the black kids, the Asian kids, the white kids. You're all just friends. You all just like each other. Right. And you, you you learn to kind of get to know each other as people and uh, and and to to bring kind of all of this kind of like uh, Marxist racial garbage in at such a young age is so destructive to 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 to, you know, kids just learning how to, you know, live and 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 be friends with each other. Um, I mean, that's ultimately, you know, it, 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 it so flies in the face of, of Martin Luther King's ideal, which oh, I remember growing up being the ideal that we wanted to strive for, you know, judge, judge each other, not by the color of our skin, but by the content of our character. Now that's outrightly rejected by critical race theory. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I just think that you know, you're seeing the backlash to CRT all over the country. You're seeing all these, you know, these these school board you know, meetings and, and stuff like that where parents are showing up like, what the heck are you teaching our kids? And honestly, I know it's very pervasive within the media and, and, and corporate America and stuff, but it's still a this is a fringe issue, man. I mean, there's like the, these teacher unions, they're, they're catering to a very small group of very loud leftists. I mean, this is not yeah. I mean, it, you know, Marxist indoctrination for six years old, six, six year olds is not popular if you polled that. Uh, you know the Democrats are not going to come in on, on the on the on the right side of that issue, and I mean this is a this is an issue that should unite conservatives and libertarians against the left, and it's it's an issue that should bring a lot of people over to our side to the pro liberty side, especially parents, you know people that want school choice that want to be able to raise their kids the way they see fit, but unfortunately that, w- that would include taking a win, <laughs> which. For some reason, so many people on our side within our movement just just can't do. Like they just can't do it. They have to find a problem with anything on our side, any within government doing anything. And it's like, I don't know, man. We we should just take this ball and move forward. I I don't know why so many people are fighting tooth and nail against taking that dub, man. I mean, like, I mean, look 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 at the world around us. Like we need to take wins whenever we can get them. And I just don't understand the hesitancy here. But um, yeah. hopefully, hopefully, as this is exposed more and more as a fringe issue, as more and more parents speak out and more governors ban this nonsense, I think I, I do think it will be like like the gun control issue, a big winner for us moving forward. You know, I, I think one of the kind of white pills out of all of this is is I think that people over the last year have just seen just how out of control and out of touch teachers unions are um, not. I mean, it started with <laughs> the teachers unions just like refusing to, you know, let the schools open and kids to actually get an education, even though there was no science backing up this 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 really kind of toxic idea. I mean, you know, throughout all of all of um, uh, covid like kids have been viewed and portrayed and young people have been portrayed as like the plague rats of COVID. Right. Oh, these young people are going out and they're doing, uh, you know, spring break and they're not, you know, they're not social distancing and they're not, uh, you know, uh, and then, oh, we can't have the kids in the schools because the kids aren't going to do proper social distancing and masking and they're going to be the plague rats when there's never been any data to back this up. And in fact, I mean, it's the data has flown in the face of this, that, that, that kids Young people are not in it, at real risk, or uh, or really even you know because there's been no significant transmission from kids. I think because when they do get it, there there are you know they tend to not have symptoms. Right. So um, this 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 narrative of uh, these kids as the playgrounds has been used to like to justify all of these 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 very atrocious tyrannies on young people. Um, 
And uh, the teachers unions, as far as shutting down the schools, have been out of control. Um, and now we're just kind of seeing you know, more of this. So I'm glad that parents are waking up. This has become a, a really big um, just kind of, uh, you know, motivator for kind of the, you know, the biggest advances in school choice I've seen in America in a very long time this year. And uh, I hope we can keep building on that and that teachers unions keep alienating themselves from the rest of America. Yeah, absolutely. And I think they will. I think uh, I, I think they're so far gone, they have no choice but to double and triple and quadruple down. So <laughs> I don't see them moderating anytime soon. So honestly, if I if I were a betting man, I would bet that that is exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, so I bet you and I will say, I bet you there's a lot of teachers out there who don't feel like these teachers unions are representing them well either. Oh, 100 percent. I mean, there, there's some teachers unions that are they're kicking, you know, they're they're floating the idea of trying to keep schools shut this fall because of the the what, what's the new the Delta variant? variant. Del, the Delta variant sounds scary. Um, the Delta, but at least, you know, the, the general public is just called BS on that. I mean, people are just out doing their thing, man. I don't think anybody's worried about the Delta variant. It's, but, uh, yeah, yeah, go yeah. Ahead. I just say it, it, it's crazy to me that that they that they continue to persist with these kind of fear mongering narratives with no reflection on the fact that like Florida exists, <laughs> Texas exists, uh, these states that are, you know, populous states that they predicted that, you know, lifting the lockdowns and lifting the mask mandates that, you know, every, you know, these these were going to be disaster zones. And yet they're doing better than most of the lockdown states. There, there's there's never been all of their heavy handed government lockdown policies and mandates have all always been backed by pseudoscience. And uh, there's no reflection. And um, I, I, you know, I, I, you hope you hope that these folks won't be the ones to write the history because we can all see kind of in the data that none of this helped. Yeah. None of this worked. But you look back at like what people commonly think of, like what got us out of the Great Depression. And you have to kind of draw some parallels. You know, I think any any real economic historian knows that the the New Deal and World War Two didn't get us out of the Great Depression in many ways these big government programs prolongated it. And the same can be said of all the lockdown policies prolongating the pandemic. But um, I mean, the greatest uh, example of that is 1921, right? The stock market crash in 1921, um, which was actually worse. Um, it, mm -hmm. the, the market took a worse hit than in 1929, and, and Warren G. Harding did absolutely nothing. <laughs> he did right. nothing. One of the best administrations between him and Calvin Coolidge, they did absolutely nothing. They said it wasn't the federal government's place to interfere in the markets. And within one year, 12 months, right, the economy had completely recovered and issued in the greatest period of growth in any economy in the history of the world, the right. Roaring Twenties. And, right. you know, juxtapose they that were... with 1929 um, right. with Hoover and then FDR. They prolonged the Depression for 15 years <laughs> and it, you know it, it, it didn't come out of until the end of the second world war so yeah i mean obviously you know the victors write history books so uh you know we <laughs> we might have some work so, to do there so we got to make sure it's not the gretchen whitmers and andrew cuomo's and janet mills of the world who are writing the history of these lockdowns because if they're if if the lockdown apologists are the ones writing the history um you, you know we're not going to learn the the lesson of this yeah that's absolutely correct um, another another uh, Biden note. Um, obviously, things are not going great economically right now. Inflation is is skyrocketing. Much are you worse. sure? I heard that hot dogs are sixteen <laughs> cents less than they were before. <laughs> I mean, I, I, did you ever? Re How did they come up with that number? By the way, I mean everything, every food item is like double the price it was a year ago. So like, I don't know what 
what their angle is. I don't know how they came up yeah. with that. But I mean, I, look, between gas prices, inflation, uh, I think gas gas is actually up like forty percent in the last six months, and the unemployment rate is is very yeah. high still. And the Democrats they decided over the weekend that they're going to try to redo the 2008 financial crash because that's just exactly what we need right now. Um, this is I want to read this headline from Politico. I think this is Sunday. Uh, quote, Biden's move to fire the top U.S. mortgage re- re- regulator is triggering calls from fellow Democrats to use the agency to expand access to loans for low-income people who have been struggling to buy homes since the financial crisis. So wh- why? Wh- I wonder why these people have been struggling to get loans since the financial crisis. <laughs> what could what could possibly go wrong, Eric? You know, they say history repeats itself, but you don't expect it to repeat itself so darn quickly. You know, it, uh, you know, we were saying off the air, you know, in def- defense of these folks kind of arguing this, uh, they think that the bailouts and and everything the government did to respond to the 2008 housing crisis, they think it worked, that everything kind of went on swimmingly, that, you know, we're we're all modern monetarists now. We can just print money out of thin air for trillions and trillions of dollars handed out, and there'll never be any economic consequences. Um, they didn't learn the lessons of, of, of that. We've just kind of, you know, was the analogy that was always used. It's like America is... Uh, it's like we're a heroin addict, and and the heroin is is cheap credit from the Federal Reserve. And every time, uh, you know, our our system crashes because heroin's bad for you, uh, we just uh, you know dope up with more heroin and we keep on going. And that's kind of where we are. We are in the biggest bubble probably in the history of the world. You know, built on trillions upon trillions of dollars of of cheap artificial credit, um, new new money print, printing. And it's gonna it's gonna wreak havoc on things. Um, <laughs> you know, now's now's not the time to uh, to 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 make uh, you know debt and and loans more more available to people. Um, it, you know, now's the time to really we we need to be focused on on saving, uh, yeah. saving resources um, because uh, our economy's getting out of whack. Absolutely. I mean, you know what they say: the real subprime mortgages haven't been tried. <laughs> you know, it's like. I mean, it's it's only only the state can only the state's capable of forgetting history that recent. Yeah, we would take like a normal human being decades to forget extraordinarily recent history. I mean, that was two thousand eight. It's twenty twenty. It's been thirteen years. It's been it's been fifty years. It's been thirteen. My goodness. I mean, it's crazy when you think back on it. I mean, you know, the TARP bailouts in two thousand and two thousand and eight. It's hard to believe it was so long ago. you know, we were talking about eight hundred billion dollars at the time, and everyone was freaking out about this. Like, it, it, folks, folks may not remember the TARP bank bailout. You know, uh, bank bailouts uh, failed the first time vote in Congress because it was so unpopular, and people were yeah. putting so much pressure. And then they had to do a revote because, well, geez, you just aren't being responsible <laughs> if you don't, you know, take eight bill, uh, hundreds of billions of dollars to bail out these uh, these giant corporations. Um, and, and, and yet now we just passed trillion dollar packages. They don't even want to vote in con- uh, in Congress on these things. Um, and do people like it, it it's dispiriting. It's, it's dispiriting how little pe- people seem to, to care anymore about just how far away, uh, uh you know, the Washington DC has gotten from us in terms of just abusing the taxpayers, abusing, uh, anyone who holds dollars, um, we we've just gone through the largest wealth transfer from the poor and the middle class to the politically yeah. well connected rich in in all of 
yeah. world history. Look at Amazon and, stock price. Yeah, it's hardly remarked upon. Um, and and it, um, I mean, thank God for you know folks like Congressman Thomas Massey who are willing to be like the one lone voice in the wilderness of the U.S. House and stand up against these things when they happen. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just a symptom of um, these bailouts. It, it creates an artificial economy where nobody actually has to experience the the ramifications of their horrible decision making. I mean, like the well, yeah. the only the only bank that failed was Lehman Brothers, right? Or I guess Bear Stearns, Lehman Brothers, and Bear Stearns. Everybody else got bailed out. So it's like, yeah. Yeah, these people, you know, I guess uh, it's not surprising that sooner than later they're, they want to just fire it right back up. But, uh, man, I, I didn't mean to end the show on a low note. <laughs> and if we, were, we, were, we were white-pilling some people earlier, and I just brought it right down. I apologize. But, Eric, well, man, you, it, it, yeah, I'll say here's the, here's the white pill. Is The white pill is this can't go on forever. People are building up alternative financial systems through cryptocurrency yeah. and other things like that. And so— uh, unlike the last go around um, with the last financial collapse, there are life rafts that are available to people. And if you're holding your savings in dollars as they're printing, they printed like 40 percent of all dollars in circulation today were printed within the last year. So if you're holding your savings in dollars, you're you're a sucker. Don't be a sucker. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, opt out of that system, get into a life raft. And uh, because this this is not going to end well. The thing is, you know, I'm a big fan of crypto, um, but I, I, I don't even know how we, we don't know how important crypto is going to be yet. Like it's going to be I, I mean, it's going to be so important to the survival of this country, I think, in ways that we can't yeah. even guys like you and I can't even comprehend yet. I think we're going to see how how great crypto is, how important it is um, to the country the next time one of these bubbles burst, which. You know, if you ask guys like us, we'd say probably sooner than later. <laughs> Buckle up. But uh, we, Eric, Eric, my yeah. brother, it's uh, always a great time talking to you. Let's do it again soon. Where can everybody check out Young Americans for Liberty, and where can everybody follow you online? You can check out Young Americans for Liberty at yaliberty.org. We've got a huge convention coming up this August 5th through the 7th, Revolution 2021 in Orlando, Florida. We're going to have big speakers there, all of our liberty legislators, and 1,400 liberty activists so be sure to watch watch out for that. And you can follow me personally on Twitter at Senator Brakey. That's B-R-A-K-E-Y. Everybody check out Young Americans for Liberty. They do great work over there. And everybody follow Eric. He's great. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Monday. No gimmicks. Um, 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 um.